Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. seems to get involved, He's, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today joined by somebody who covers the team the Lakers are getting ready to play in this first round of the playoffs. Uh, somebody who I have been talking basketball with for years. Somebody who, who to this day has probably my favorite quote ever while talking about basketball, drunk in Vegas. I told him, uh, well, I'll get to that story here in you a You were drunk, not me, but sorry, keep going. That's true. That's true. Well... I don't know. At that stage, everybody was 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 pretty toasty. But Listen, uh, I was I was driving a car. I was walking around laughing at drunk Lakers people. No, stone cold sober. <laughs> uh, but that was a uh, well. Shoot, I'll just go ahead and dive into it. That was yeah. Keith Parrish, by the way. He of Va- Fast Break Breakfast. He of Grits and Grinds. He of uh, again this story. So we're sitting yeah. there. We're talking about basketball in the backyard of the SB Nation house there. And um, we're we're we are late enough into the night that we are talking about the not just like the X's and O's, but like basketball philosophy, right? We are we are deep in it late in <laughs> this late night, early morning, maybe even yeah. in in Vegas. And I say, look, if Steve Nash played the right way, why did Kobe win all the championships? And you said something along the lines of like. Because that's how the world works. Because all the evil people win. And and I remember like <laughs> distinctly, I was sitting down and all of a sudden you were standing up. And I was like, you know that tracks. Well I think that works. I, I feel like since we're on a Lakers show and that brief anecdote paints me in a very negative light. Um I, I feel like the fur <laughs> the further context, I don't remember if it was Steve Nash or anything. You were yeah. like, if these things, whatever, if, if this resulted in a championship, how can your case be correct? I, and I said, because evil wins, Anthony. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was again, I'm, I've been a Laker hater my whole life, but like, yeah. bad things happen. There's no longer like, oh, it's going to work out. Like, this is not a movie. Uh, <laughs> there is no moral karmic punishment for doing wrong. Uh, a lot of times, uh, the bad guys win. It was, so was it fun. was it was like before because this is way before the good place existed. But this was you basically telling me because we're in the bad place, Anthony. Yeah, we're in the bad why. place, dude. <laughs> You're like you can you can commit lots of crimes and still uh, lead the country. It doesn't matter. We're in the bad like we're in the bad place, dude. Like everyone in charge. Oh, everyone's yeah. just stealing uh, from it from all the poor people. Yeah, we're in the bad place. Like that's that's what you do. That's, that's yeah. how we live. Yeah. Um. So yeah, with that as 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 context as to how this conversation is going to go and how maybe the series is going to go, Keith and I are going to preview uh, the Lakers playing Memphis in this series. Um, it's a fascinating one. It is a it is a super interesting playoffs in general, where I think two or three of the uh, lower seeds in their series are actually favored in the Western Conference, um, and and the Lakers I think are a toss up. So, yeah, it's a it's a, it's a really interesting year in the sport, and and I think uh, with this series in particular, I, I you know we'll start micro and move out to macro over the course of the show, but I want to start here. Um, obviously, Memphis super thin up front. Uh, without Steven Adams, without Brandon Clark, that's your that's your top kind of concern, I would imagine. 
But having watched LeBron James get absolutely sloppy in the play-in game against Minnesota, a game that you and I watched together yeah. on uh, on your playback, um, did that did that ease your concern? Because like, it it looked like he was trying to go and reach back and fire that 102 mile an hour fastball, but all that kept happening was like the ball was slipping out of his hands. It was 50 cent clip after 50 cent clip throwing the throwing the first pitch. So, I mean, there's a, I, I obviously have a lot of thoughts about this series, whether or not that like one play in game kind of swayed my opinion. I mean, maybe a little bit like I, I feel like this matchup is in incredibly close. I don't think of it as like, Hey, this is a two versus a seven or a 50 something yeah. win team against like a 42 or three win team, whatever you guys want. Like for me, it's closer to like, it's more like a four or five matchup. Like the Grizzlies, yeah. if we're talking like 82 game, win total samples like the Grizzlies without Steven Adams and Brandon Clark eh, more, in my mind more like a 46 47 win team the yeah. Lakers with LeBron and AD healthy and since post trade deadline they're also more like a 46 type win team so like I think these teams actually are very close my one of one of the things that gives me more comfort as a Grizzlies fan is every time I've watched the Lakers this year I don't feel like they look that impressive I'm like mm. this is the team we're worried about there are some numbers that I, I put on my show grits and grinds that have me very concerned that make the lakers uh look very very strong and like a very scary matchup for the grizzlies but every time i watch the, the lakers i'm like <laughs> this is the team i'm supposed to be worried about i kind of feel like that's just the western conference this year right oh sure like yeah, 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 yeah. i feel like every single team you watch and, and and at different stages of the season you say oh my god like denver for example right i talked to <laughs> yeah. i talked to adam yesterday yeah and there were stretches especially early in the season when Kentavious caldwell pope was a freaking blowtorch out there you look at them you watch them play and you're like oh my god like what do, what what does anybody do against that starting five and then you watch them later in the season and sure a big part of it is because they don't care. And when Jokic doesn't care, he has the worst poker face in the league. Um, but, you know, you watch them play and you're like, I mean, okay. Right. All right. That's a one seed, I guess. And I, I remember it was during a playback with my buddy Aaron, who who does the show with me on, on, on Fridays. Um, I was doing his show and we were actually watching a Phoenix game. And we were making the case for like teams that we were most nervous to to play in the playoffs. And Phoenix was at the top of our list. This was in the middle of them barely beating, if not, I think they went to overtime against a uh, or or KD had to play like forty minutes to barely beat a Nuggets team that wasn't playing with any of its starters. So yeah, like it at all of these moments, the concepts of a lot of these teams is right. is pretty frightening. But then you watch it in practice, and you're like. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, cool. That's the difficulty of the NBA now where it's just yeah. everyone's learned and you can credit Adam Silver for creating the play in tournament and keeping a lot of teams alive and having this great drama. But maybe it did so devalue the regular season where like it's hard to take any conclusions from the regular season. Like we all watched yeah. the war this year. Yeah, and the Especially Wolves on the road. are massive favorites, you know, over the Kings, and it's like, yeah, we don't care what happened in the regular season. It used to be, I think it was John Schumann on NBA.com was always like, the first twenty games of a season, that tells you everything you need to know. Mm. Like you look at the standings after the first twenty games. This used to be true. Um, yeah. I think the last three or four seasons, it's been less true, and so it's like, you know, part of me as a Grizzlies fan, again, I take comfort where like, well, when everyone was basically healthy and trying. We were really, really good, just like we were really, really good last year. When I look at like the post All-Star break records, it's like the Grizzlies have the fourth best record and the Lakers have the second best record since the All-Star break. I'm like, and after the All-Star break, nothing matters. Some yeah. teams are trying to win and the Lakers looked, looked pretty good doing it. And like other teams, the Grizzlies, they've had, you know, their main guys for like, I think it was like 12 or 13 games since the All-Star break. And like most of the games, their opponent were, was nobody. It yeah. was the it was the Bucks playing no one, or it was yeah. the Rockets. It's like I don't know how to take any information out of what all these teams have done, and so I think we default as basketball fans to just be like, "All right, what is my impression of this individual player in a vacuum?" And that's that's where we get 
things with the Lakers were like, well, they have LeBron James and they yeah. have Anthony Davis. And those guys are some of the greatest players of all time. And so that's why you see this like, all right, you know, Lakers probably um, they could be favorites or if, if the, at the very least it's a toss up. We are really basically left to our own vices, right? Yeah. In the analysis here, like we yeah. just get to spin our own narrative because the regular season just isn't representative of really anything. And, right. uh, you know, we see this in baseball where like the Dodgers have won 37 straight division titles and, you know, they have won 66% of their games in the last uh, five or six seasons or something like that. One of those stats is actually true. Um, and, and yet they have one world series to show for it. And it's because the postseason is a completely different sport than the regular season in, in, in the regular season, you need all, you know, every single position player at your disposal and you need, you know, innings eaters and stuff like that over the course of, of, of a 162 game season. There's no such thing as an innings eater in the postseason. Like everybody that you need to bring out of your rotation, out, out of your uh, bullpen has to throw like a hundred plus and yeah. all of your position players, like, yeah, you'll get the occasional pinch hit and, maybe a pinch runner here and there, but that's pretty much fallen by the wayside. It's two completely different sports. And I don't, I legitimately don't know how you analyze the postseason versus the, the, the regular season in that, in that sport in hockey and in football, it's like a more intense version of the sport. And that kind of makes sense. I think that's where it kind of tracks, but I'm concerned that basketball is starting to fall into the category with baseball where the regular season ends and you just kind of look back and you're like all right well i guess that happened let's yeah. let's try to figure out how this is going to go now and you know the play-in game you know it's funny you you don't want to overreact to a play-in game that the lakers had against minnesota but that is the closest thing to a playoff that you're going to see as you get ready for the playoffs and the lakers didn't look good no like a, a lot of a lot of lakers fans i, I keep hearing harrison the other night um, was saying how you know the Lakers overcame a pretty bad LeBron stretch down 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 the end of that game, and D'Angelo Russell played really poorly, and Austin Reeves wasn't ready for the moment, and yet the Lakers still somehow were able to to kind of edge that thing out. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but they were playing against a team that would also be saying the same things had they won that game. Right. So I don't know really what to what to feel heading into this series as far as the caliber of the Lakers. So and here we go. Let's talk about that that inning eaters idea or like the the depth of each team and how it's going to relate to this series. This is yeah. this is one category that I think favors the Grizzlies. What yeah. I think favors the Grizzlies in this series is um, the Grizzlies know who they are. And they know who mm -hmm. their players are. I think for the Lakers, my my reading of the Lakers is we have LeBron, we have AD, we have Austin Reeves. Eh. And then it's like, who else is going to play 38 minutes? Who's going to play 40 minutes? I'd say no one. I'd yeah. say they're going to be like, does Malik Beasley have it? Uh, no. D'Angelo Russell? <laughs> uh, he's not playing in the second half. You know, like, yeah. I think the Lakers have more question marks actually on their Absolutely. roster. When you look at the Grizzlies roster, and one thing that I take comfort in, um, uh, I keep saying comfort. I'm very stressed, Anthony. Um, the uh, when I you want to like, you want to go grab season, a blankie? Like no, if you were Frank Vogel, you'd have Avery Bradley sitting next to you to do this podcast. The Grizzlies use inning eaters constantly. Mm -hmm. They don't play their guys heavy minutes. A lot of this has come up in the Jaron Jackson Jr. Defensive Player of the Year debate. Remember, it's like look how low yeah. his minutes are. They don't play him on purpose. Like, he, he's only fouled out, I think it's three games this year. Like, he doesn't foul yeah. out. He does have foul issues. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying he averages 29 minutes per game because they choose to play him 29 minutes per game. They don't play their yeah. guys. And so when we get to the playoffs for the Grizzlies, they won 51 games this year, 56 games the year before, playing their guys all 31 minutes and less. And when it gets yeah. to the postseason, well, guess what? Desmond Bain's going to play 40 minutes. Yeah. John Morant is going to play 40 minutes or more. Dylan Brooks is going to play 40 minutes. Jaron fingers crossed is going to play yeah. more than 30. Oh, He's going to play more than 29. Like we're going to shorten our rotation. The Grizzlies question marks are who's our ninth guy. Are we going to play Roddy or Conchar? But we know who our <laughs> yeah. top seven guys are, who are going to play all the minutes, even top eight. 
Like, I, I think that favors the Grizzlies, where I think Darvin Ham has a lot of question marks to be like, who do I go with tonight? Who do I go yeah. with tonight to compliment AD and LeBron? I'm going to play AD and LeBron as much as I possibly can. Probably Schroeder, probably Austin Reeves, but I feel like it's going to be like, hey, has... Um, like Jared Vanderbilt's having a great hustle game. He, he's he's killing the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. you know, on on the glass. Or it's like the Grizzlies aren't guarding Jared Vanderbilt, and Jaron Jackson Jr. has six blocks because he's not guarding anyone. He's just playing yeah. free safety, and we have to do we have to put more of an offensive threat um, to make Jaron guard somebody. And so I do think there's uh, there's fewer question marks for the Grizzlies, and I think that could be an advantage for them. Absolutely, um, completely on the same page with you. We were doing the game in that in that playing game together, and yeah. it was two minutes into the second quarter, and I looked down. And I'm like, ten guys have already played. Yeah. He's just throwing shit at the wall. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll see how this thing goes, and yeah. um, you know, I, I think that's fine it, when you're in February and you're still trying to figure out your roster. But you know, we're in April. And and that's that that makes it a lot more difficult. That identity, you know, I, I I think you know one of the one of the points that you kind of talked around there was the notion of identity, right? Yep. The, the the Grizzlies know exactly who they are, you know. Um, they 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 have all bought into. Uh, now we can you know make the case one way or the other as far as like have they gone too far into their identity, um, but but they know one zillion percent who they are, you know. They are in your face. They are going to talk their shit, and they are going to try to kick your butt, like in 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 every sense of the word, um, and let you know about it every time they do. And the Lakers, I think, um, you know, they're 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 still trying to figure out. You know, Ham wants to pull them in the direction of smaller and more skilled. Can't do that against M- Memphis, though. Because you weren't as skilled as 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 John Morant and Desmond Bain, um, so I think naturally you're going to get pulled in the other direction of kind of bigger, longer, more athletic, um, more physical, and that's where you see Rui get more minutes, and that's where you see Vanderbilt out there on John Morant and stuff like that. Um, but it's just a matter of how quickly Ham makes that adjustment. It took him until like the fourth quarter to to really kind of move off of D'Angelo Russell completely. And and go with Dennis Schroeder and play Rui Hachimura. I think Rui played twenty seven minutes in that one. He probably should have played like thirty five. And yep. and um, you know, it, it's it's it, that is going to be a huge factor here. How quickly Ham moves off of the identity that he wants for the identity or the playing style that you actually have to utilize here against Memphis. Um, how do you feel? I would imagine a lot of teams over the course of the season would try to, you know, just kind of use length on jaw and more kind of try to corral him than to try to actually, you know, stop him from doing anything. He's the most athletic guard in the league. You aren't going to like stop him from turning the corner and stuff. So how effective has length been on jaw this year? Well, I would say a, a better example is not just this year. It's looking at last year's playoff series against the Timberwolves, where the Timberwolves had length and athleticism they could put on Ja, and they had yeah. Jaden McDaniels guarding him, and they had yep. Anthony Edwards guarding him, and it was rough. And Ja was negated offensively for a while. He picked up a lot of assists. Desmond Bain had a huge series scoring. A lot yeah. of it because was the attention that they were paying to Ja. So um, as far as this regular season, honestly, I feel like, I can't even remember examples of teams game planning in that in that way of being like you hey, don't really game to, plan in the regular you know, season. You don't game plan. Yeah, you know, I do yeah. think the the defensive thing that the teams do, and I think the Lakers are probably going to do, um, that has seemed um, effective against the Grizzlies is just pack it in, and just pack it in and pray uh, that Bain and Kennard aren't making their threes, which is a tough thing yeah. to pray for. I guess you technically you pray that Jaron and Dylan are missing their threes. I think that's um, the bigger. One. You know, Bain and Kennard are more more of the the constant, but I, I think. When the Lakers go under all the screens, which they probably should do, although I will say um, one of my favorite cherry pick stats, uh, John Morant averages more threes per game and shoots a better three-point percentage in his playoff career than Larry Bird did. Um. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. 
Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Just different eras. I'm only messing around. <laughs> Take um, that, Mad Dog. <laughs> but uh, but Jaw in his playoff career with 14 games, not counting the play-in, he's made two threes per game, and so he he, he shoots them. And so, mm-hmm. but I still think you got to pick your poison. So I assume they're going to go under everything and just uh, make the Grizzlies not get in the paint because everyone knows the Grizzlies are a great paint scoring team. Less yeah. so. Um, since Steven Adams has been out and they acquired Luke Kennard at the trade deadline. But still, I think most teams shoot better when the ball goes in and then kicks back out or off an offensive rebound um, mm-hmm. and it kicks back out. The Grizzlies are not particularly effective at creating on the perimeter outside of Ja. So I think the Lakers, as opposed to putting the length on him and letting him drive, because I think the problem is, um, I don't think of the, I haven't done the numbers. I don't think of the Lakers as a great rim protection team. And so if you put, if you put Jared Vanderbilt out on Ja, well, then when he beats him, AD is going to be back there. But I feel like then Ja can attack your defense in multiple ways. Because, like, Jared Vanderbilt, you know, great hustle player, bless his heart. I don't think he's going to stop Ja from penetrating oh, like no. Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards ha- had some success at. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Vanderbilt on Ja is as much, you know, because if you were just to, to, to try to, create a player in a lab who would try to defend jaw it would kind of look like jared vanderbilt right you know there's some tweaks here and there um but it's also born of necessity because you sure as hell aren't putting d'angelo russell on jaw and even (laughs) (laughs) and 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 even like austin reeves who i think lakers fans are a little higher on defensively than he actually is uh good on that end of the of the court i think he's fine um but i think Lakers fans have kind of convinced themselves that he's like better than good, which uh, I, I think that has a lot to do with Caruso because Caruso was actually that. And they're like squinting and like, he's white. Right, he's got to right. be like solid. Yeah. Right. Um, so like I, I, I you, Reeves on jaw terrifies me. Um, hell Reeves even on, on Bane really kind of makes me nervous because Bane is such a good shooter and Reeves isn't tall enough to, make him feel or, or have his presence felt when he's shooting. So that makes me uh, kind of nervous there. But um, what I would say about the rim protection, I think AD is about as good a rim protector as you can find. Sure. The problem is once the ball is on the rim, the weak side, you know, the, 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 the pinch down guys who come down on the backside of the defense and have to block out the person that AD was just guarding, uh, that usually is Austin Reeves, and that usually is is D'Angelo Russell, and that's where you 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 run into some problems where maybe the first one misses, but they're usually in pretty good position to either tap the back out, tap the ball back out to a shooter, or just get the ball back up on the rim uh, with AD standing on the other side of it, and yeah. and that's usually a pretty good look. But well, I would say yeah. good, uh, good news there, Anthony. The Grizzlies are a terrible rebounding team, so. That's good. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, again, they went from the best offensive rebounding team in the league to just like, you know, bottom third uh, when yeah. Steven Adams went out. Like, and of course, Brandon Clark, like, you know, both of those guys, they went from this being their identifiable best thing trait, basically, to now yeah. being we have to win in different ways. Yeah. I, did Clark uh, tear his Achilles or is it just yeah. an Achilles strain? He did? No, it's yeah, tor- torn Achilles. Yeah. He's out for That's forever. A yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's a huge absence here. I think the biggest absence uh, for Memphis in this series, right? Like he would he would theoretically he has a body type that can stay in front of LeBron. He is physical enough to go out there and, and bang around with 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 uh, AD and Rui and Vanderbilt. Um, you talk about the the offensive rebounding and stuff. Um, do I have that right? Do you, would you say he's think, he's the the biggest I think bummer most here? People so. It's an interesting it's an interesting question. The majority opinion now is that Steven Adams is more important. Steven Adams has has a great regular season. Um, they are just dominant this year with Steven Adams on the court and last year. Now, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to posit like what actually is the biggest loss when you look at the playoffs last year because Brandon Clark was their preferred closer. Brandon Clark uh-huh. was honestly like he was the X factor that might have won the Minnesota series. I 
top of my head, I think he averaged 16 points and nine rebounds per game against Minnesota last year. Yeah. And uh, he also was one of the reasons they traded for Rudy Gobert because they gave up so many offensive rebounds. Yeah. So good job, Brandon. Clark. Thanks, Brandon. But um, so uh, Brandon Clark was their preferred closer alongside Jaron in the playoffs last year. And even they, they chose not to play Steven Adams this year. I've made plenty of jokes about it on Fast Break Breakfast and on Grits and Grinds where like everyone was kind of bemoaning the loss of Steven Adams. And obviously it's, it's a huge issue but the grizzlies went through a little losing streak and they're like well we're missing our our it became like this is the linchpin to our team and i'm like well should he Steven be the Adams. linchpin to our team yeah. because <laughs> he was getting dnp's coach's decision in the playoffs last year um and again yeah. i love steven adams and he's really really good and like if i could like if you made me pick one which would be a cruel thing to ask me like if i could have one of them back I don't know. I, I think I would choose Steven Adams just for uh, this specific matchup. I, I, yeah. Like the issue with Steven Adams would be, all right, he can't defend on the perimeter as well. And, you know, he can get beat by like pick and roll going under playing drop defense. Yeah. The other team hurts you on three point shooting. The Lakers aren't a good three point shooting team. So I'm like, uh, in this matchup, I think I wish we had Steven Adams. And then I would not feel anxious. I would feel very, very confident. Steven Adams also allows you know, because there are going to be games here where Jaron Jackson Jr. picks up like two yeah. fouls in the first quarter or sure. he, he picks up his third midway through the second or something like that. And what you don't want to do is take him out of the series, right? Like we saw that against Minnesota where Finch, because Cat was in his foul trouble, had Cat sit for long stretches of time and it changed the game, right? And no Minnesota fans like you, Keith, you and I were watching that side by side and yeah. they're not side by side, but like on the internet virtually. And yeah. yeah, we were, well, I think our, 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 we were virtually our boxes were, close. no, I think, I think John was actually in between us in, in, oh, okay. in the bubbles, but, um, but yeah, I, I, Minnesota fans were, were saying rigged and NBA fans at large were saying rigged and I get it. Like it's the Lakers and there is going to be a lot of conference confirmation bias there, but also Cat threw a punch at Jared Vanderbilt's throat while he had the ball one time. And he yanked down AD on, a, on another offensive rebound. Like, that's just what he does. And, and I think, I think Jackson's, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s um, fouls are more of the, they aren't of that, like, as dumb variety. He picks up yeah. a lot of them, and he does kind of, he, he does try to get away. And look, this is how reputations are gained, right? Like, Draymond Green is now able to move and grab and shove when he sets screens because he was called for a bunch of screens and they're like, well, shoot, we can't foul him out of, out of every game. So we're just going to let him get away with stuff. And so I kind of get why younger players try to push the envelope and push the envelope and push the envelope and eventually develop that reputation that allows them to do illegal stuff later in their, later in their careers. So I get like, you know, well, to a lesser extent, Cat. But in Jaron Jackson Jr.'s case, where, you know, he is an elite uh, rim protector and he is, you know, absolutely elite, uh, you know, just doing almost anything defensively. Um, and yet it does lead to some, you know, annoying fouls here and there. And Adams would allow Jackson, I think, to play through some foul trouble and they would just say, all right. If he picks up another one, I guess we're just going with with Steven Adams here. Not having that safety blanket would make me nervous uh, if I was a, a yeah. Grizzlies fan. Well, I mean, it's just, I mean that argument works for both guys that we're missing. Like with no Steven Adams and no yeah. Brandon Clark, now it's just a huge, massive issue. And beyond that, even if it's not foul trouble, like the Grizzlies are going to have a hard time winning the non-Jaron minutes. It's been that way all season. Um, mm -hmm. The Jaron minutes are all spectacular. His per minute production, everyone knows, is spectacular. The net rating when he's on the court, it's just otherworldly. So the, the more they can play Jaron, the better chances the Grizzlies are going to have at winning this series. Without Jaron, everything's a question mark. Like Tillman's a fine, okay player. He's a good one-on-one -on -one defender, but like he's, he's not going to be... I don't know. Yeah, he's, he wouldn't be in the rotation of every team. He wasn't he's an in the Grizzlies like he's, rotation. He's, he I would say he he's a step over an innings eater because he has a specific let's do Liam Neeson a, a specific set of skills and it is he he's a fantastic. Oh God, he's gonna come kill me. He's a better he's a better perimeter defender than Stephen Adams is. He can switch out mm -hmm. onto guys. We're gonna see him taking um, a few possessions on LeBron. I would guess times yeah. that times that Dylan Brooks is off the court, 
And maybe if AD's off the court, like they're going to have Tillman, um, you know, maybe guarding uh, LeBron. They had Tillman guarding Kawhi uh, at the end of the year. Like that was how they started the the, um, the matchup, like, like like in that game. So like he's a yeah. he's a pretty good defender. But beyond that, you got Santi Aldama, unproven in the playoffs, tall guy, but he's he's offensive mainly. He's not going to yeah. be able to guard anybody, and he's not a particularly good rebounder. And then you have to go small ball and the Grizzlies small ball. You know, you were saying like maybe Darvin Ham wants to do that. I don't think that's going to be a problem for the Lakers. Like maybe, maybe it is advantage Grizzlies in the fact that you're not attacking the, their weakness. Like if, if the Grizzlies can get away with playing Roddy as the power forward or Dylan Brooks as the power forward, like the lineup, I think a lot of Grizzlies fans are super excited about is one they uh, they use to start uh, their second to last game of the year is where Dylan Brooks is the power forward and they play mm. Kennard and Bain. So it's Ja, Kennard, and Bain, and then Dylan and Jaron. So like mm-hmm. if the Lakers put out a small ball lineup where the Grizzlies aren't getting punished on the glass for that, that might actually be advantage Grizzlies now that I sounded out. Um, but yeah. that's going to be something the Grizzlies have to do, even if the Lakers are playing a little bit bigger, if you have LeBron and AD and Jared Vanderbilt on the court, if Jaron gets in foul trouble, you got to do something like that. And, and so that that's that's going to be uh, that is an area of concern, um, that depth in the front court. You mentioned earlier about Jackson, you know, him playing was it 29 or I think yeah. 29 minutes a game. Uh, around um, that, yeah. How comfortable would you be with him, you know, scaling that up to 35, 40 minutes a game? Well, if it's not 35, we got problems. I mean, if if Jared's not not playing 35 minutes a game in the postseason, yeah. I, I think the Grizzlies are going to have a hard time winning this series. Um, you know, like, can he physically handle that much? I, I have no idea. Like, you know, he he's been injured a couple times in his career. You know, he missed the beginning of this year because of an offseason surgery, and so that's why they they keep the minutes low. They want to keep him fresh, mm-hmm. keep him healthy. They talked a lot about ramping him up for for the playoffs, but like. I never saw the minutes climb that high. I'm actually checking. He did play. He did play 40 minutes um, against the Pelicans in uh, one, one of the last games. That's a, it was a, a, a overtime game. So I guess you mm-hmm. can throw that out a little bit. Like um, he doesn't, you know, normally play that much, but uh, I do hope that he can like, um, you know, if he can handle 38, 40 minutes a game, that would be incredible. Again, like if you showed me the minutes breakdown after the series was over, you're just like, hey, here's and, what the minutes per game turned out to be. Yeah. And if Jaron's at 40, I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, we won. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, that's that's a good way to look at it. That, you know, you always have those stats at the end of it that you look at and say, okay, so long as this is the case, then cool. Um, for me, it's, it's AD free throws. If he's averaging, yeah. you know, 10, 12 free throws a game and up, feel pretty good about how the Lakers played in that one. Uh, but, or dunks. Also, AD dunks also tell like oddly tell a really good story for for how he's playing. But um, what you know, obviously, you're not exactly shaking in your boots in comparison to LeBron and AD about the Lakers on the perimeter. Um, but is there a player that beyond AD and LeBron that you're concerned can get the wrong guy into foul trouble or something like that? Is there any like? I mean, I, I, there's, you a heavy, tip your hat there's a to heavy. There's a heavy to the Austin Reeves foul drawing. I mean, that was the, <laughs> the perfect setup for the Austin Reeves foul drawing. I mean, beyond Jaron's foul trouble, Dylan's foul trouble is an issue. Yeah. Like Dylan loves fouling, and mm-hmm. he uh, he's a very aggressive and a very physical player. He also commits dumb fouls too, like where he's like, "Why in the world did you do that?" And so, you know, yeah. keeping Dylan out of foul trouble is going to be an issue because again, this Christmas team is not super deep. Um, yeah, they voluntarily got rid of some of their depth from last year um and invested in some rookies and now it's like all right we have tyus jones we have canard santi aldama and then i guess john conchar uh like <laughs> these are not the yeah. players i'm super confident in and there's not a lot of size so like if dylan and jaron get in foul trouble all of a sudden it becomes like the grizzlies are are, are forced to play um small ball also i mean I, I am i know you didn't say it specifically i am super concerned and terrified of lebron james and anthony davis like they're oh yeah no i mean that, that kind of goes without are, saying those guys are incredible and yeah that's gonna be uh you know that's gonna be a handful um and that's why the grizzlies are are you know mild barely favorites in this series yeah we we joked on the on the broadcast watching that game the other night that uh this game was going to have like a week in between games <laughs> lo and behold Turns out. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of how that played out um 
but but yeah, like that that winds up benefiting the Lakers. But also, there's a ton of travel in this one, and I think this is a bigger yep. factor than people are are kind of making it out to be. Memphis is young, and yeah, they they handle their minutes as if they're an older team, and yeah, they have had their bumps and bruises along the way. But you have a core of of you know Triple J and Dylan and Bain and Jaw, who I think the average age is what would you say like twenty. Six? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Say that again. They're all very young. They're, yeah, uh, like the, their average age is like maybe 24, yeah, 25, yeah, yeah. whatever well, it is. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, B- Bain's 24, but Jaron and Ja are 23. Um, yeah. yeah Dylan, so, is what, Dylan turned 27. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, like, if, if your core is that young, the travel isn't going to impact you that much. But it's still a four-hour flight that the Lakers yeah. are going to be taking, Um, you know, at least, what, three, four times over the course of the series. Um, oh, you so know, you're predicting a long series. I, oh, yeah. I don't I don't think this is going to be a short well, so one, I thought, no matter I, I, how well, What do you out. think? Um, I was thinking a long series favors the Grizzlies because of those. Like you mm-hmm. said, the first three games are super spaced out. The Lakers are going to play four games in two weeks, counting the yeah. play-in, basically. And I thought it was weird that there were – I mean, I didn't think it was weird. I was expecting it, like you said. But yeah. I, I think it's weird that there's two games off between a non-travel game. Like we're yeah. in LA, let's play Sunday. Let's start, let's play Tuesday, and then we'll travel. <laughs> then we'll take two days off because we had to yeah. travel. So, right. um, but then you know when those games, what is it, four, five, six, seven? It's every other day, and we're talking cross country yeah. flights. You know, we're right. like, you got to travel after game four and after game five and after game. And so, like that is a, I don't know that that is a particularly brutal. The difficulties of the Western Conference where the teams are so spread out. So part of me thinks, you know. If the Lakers, like the Lakers, you, you want to win these early games when you're rested. Yeah. And obviously that's going to help you shorten the series. Um, the Grizzlies winning, if you're thinking the Lakers are going to win, if you don't, if you don't take care of business as the Lakers, you lose game one or and or game two, well, then you're talking about, oh, this is now a six-game series, you know, best yeah. case. And so I do think all that extra travel, maybe it does favor the Grizzlies. But also, uh, if you want to get super scientific, the west to east jet lag is actually worse on your body, apparently, than east to west jet lag. So coming back to Memphis, although hopefully it would hurt both teams. Uh, I read a paper once. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so old at this point that all jet jet lag yeah, just yeah, like yeah, throws it for a loop. Yeah. That's a really good point, though, that a shorter f- series is really going to benefit the Lakers here because – you go longer into this thing and, and those younger bodies, they do recover and recu- recuperate. And also as you get later into the series, the games are going to get more intense, you know? Yeah. And so you're, you're, you're tr- trying to recover quickly or more quickly from tougher games. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know how that's uh, going to play out. Um, let's re- really quickly here, give a couple predictions here yeah. um, on, on how we think this is going to go. And then I, I do want to spend a little bit of time on the plan. I want to, I, okay. you, you, you like kind of quirky ideas and uh, I sure. like to, to give them to you. So um, how do you think this plays out? Like how, Memphis in three, according to you, or how, how are you feeling? <laughs> uh, here, here's the thing I truly believe. I truly believe, I believe the Grizzlies are, are going to win um, point differential. I think mm-hmm. when the series is over, it's going to be like, oh, Add up yeah. all the scores of the games. The Grizzlies came out ahead. Whether yeah. or not the Grizzlies win the series, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's it, it could very easily be like one point Lakers win, thirty two point Grizzlies win, two point Lakers. Win. I don't think the Grizzlies <laughs> are going to get blown out by the Lakers. I mean, yeah, yeah, famous last words. Um, I don't I don't think the Grizzlies are going to be at the hands of just drubbings. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very weird situation for the Grizzlies to have like a three point shooting advantage over their opponent. Um, and so like. Despite the Lakers, I think, obvious advantage at, at um, rebounding, at maybe you could say championship experience with LeBron and AD beyond that. Um, <laughs> like, I, I yeah. do think, I think it's going to be a close series. I think the Grizzlies are going to be ahead by 15 in every single game. And I think I'm going to pick Grizzlies in seven. I could see it, man. I I, I have no idea. I, Vegas feels the same way. Vegas thinks this is basically a coin flip, too. Uh, I could see just about any outcome to this one. Uh, Memphis hasn't been that great in the clutch 
this year, right? Like that was kind of an issue for them. I mean, um, it depends on stretches. it depends on how you cherry pick the stats. I mean, um, so like the general clutch stats, they're they're fine. Like they have a, I believe they have a fifty eight percent winning percentage in the clutch, and the Lakers mm -hmm. have a worse one. Um, their net rating in the clutch is pretty bad. They had a stretch there where, uh, and the Lakers game was one, the famous Shannon Sharp game where. Yeah where the, the Lakers annihilated the Grizzlies in the final three minutes and the they, Lakers overcame a big deficit. Um, this year, specifically, the Grizzlies' best players have not shot the basketball very well in the clutch. Last year, they did. I don't put mm -hmm. a ton of stock specifically in, in, in clutch stats. Yeah, clutch stats are, are kind of inherently cherry-picked, right? Like, yes. how do you define... Yeah, you know, the, people say like five minutes and in with a certain right. score is basically how they define it, and it's like okay, so if it's one point outside of that, we aren't counting the stats before if then. You, yeah, if you and hit five oh five to five oh one, like if you hit a three pointer to cut a six point lead to three with thirty seconds left, that's not a clutch stat. So I mean, <laughs> it's yeah, it's all it's all pretty arbitrary. Yeah. Um. All right. I I man, I don't say this to be disrespectful. Yeah, but I think I I think it it I think it's probably going to be like Lakers in five or six. Ooh. Um, because you can win a lot of money if that happens, because the uh, the uh, the yeah. Lakers are underdogs in game one, so you go ahead and hit that. Um, yeah, they. Uh, I mean, and then uh, what, the series price is pretty close. Honestly, I think I nailed this beforehand. I'm looking at a couple places where like, um, I I think the Grizzlies personally, I think they have like a fifty. Eight percent chance of winning, but uh, yeah, the, the the implied odds, uh, Grizzlies one third minus one thirty, don't really say that. So there's definitely value. Um, I honestly, I'm not a gambler, but uh, I feel like there's value <laughs> on the Grizzlies here. I certainly think the Lakers could win. I think there's a lot of question marks for the Grizzlies. There's a lot of things that favor the Lakers in this matchup. Um, but it does, yeah. Plus one oh eight, you're not quite getting your money's worth. But of course, if you think they're going to win in five, Anthony, by all means, go win yourself some cash. Well, the, the there's always going to be value on the team playing against the Lakers. The Lakers yeah, are so public sure. that the, yep. the odds are going to be kind of juiced there. But yep. yeah, I, um, I, I kind of think this, this Lakers season has been so weird. It's been so random that, um, you know, the outcome to this series, I think is going to continue on that track where the one thing that most people are not seeing is a short series here. And so, yeah. like, I could just as easily see Memphis winning in five. Like, I could yeah. see, like, you know, Memphis has been a better team for yep. multiple years now. Uh, yep. So, you know, it's 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 really hard to gauge this thing. All right, really quickly then, um, moving kind of more macro here. I've enjoyed the play-in. I think just about everybody has enjoyed the play-in. It's had some inherent kind of impact on the regular season that I don't think the league is particularly thrilled about. Really enjoyed them saying that players are going to have to play at least 65 games. I'm sure they pulled that that number out of thin air as if that hasn't for a long time now been the number of games the, the, the league should have their regular season at. Um, but but the, the play-in, like I do think there are so many more eyes on these games than in the regular season. And I think eventually the league is going to look to expand the play-in tournament um, in some way, shape, or form. So I'm going to try to quickly summarize my, my pitch, my elevator pitch here for okay. how I think they would do that. I think they would keep the seven, eight game, a one game move on kind of thing and try to give the rest advantage to the team that is the seven seed. And then the eight seed team would wait for a three game series between the nine and 10 teams. And then again, the eight seed team would play a three game series against the winner of the nine and 10 series. That's how I think this plays. We're talking out. two weeks off for everybody. If that's the case, you get everybody rest heading into the playoffs, the nine and 10 seed, like they, they would normally be in the playoff anyway. So if like a right. 10 seed has to play six extra games to get into the playoffs, that's what you get for being the 10 seed. Six I think, extra games. Okay. Right. I mean, that's, that's what it would worst case scenario. What oh, it would I'm be. Saying. That's, um, I, and I'm, I'm scoffing at your proposal, Anthony. I know, I know. Most people are. Most people usually do. But, uh, <laughs> but like, in order to limit traveling also, the advantage that I'm giving here, it might be too much, but whatever, is that all of the games would be, be, would be played at the higher seeds arena. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I don't see that happening just because of the uh, we're talking like three weeks off for basically for the for the other for the other playoff teams. Yeah, I don't think the NBA wants to lose that momentum for uh, just some extra. Also, you've taken the juice out of the current play in the one and done format is that's it that's, is great. That's, that's the juice. And so, mm-hmm. like, I, I personally think the play in has been a lot of fun. I think specifically this year, it's worked out that those teams all were very closely bunched as far as the records. I do think there's yep. a lot of other years where it seems wholly unfair. I already think it's super unfair for the eight seeds, like yeah. the Timberwolves. There's been seasons before where the eight seed was like eight games up on the nine seed. And so yeah. say that was the situation now where the Timberwolves have to fly cross country <laughs> to play the Lakers. Yeah. They, they, uh, you know, they kind of pee their pants in the fourth quarter and lose. Now they have to fly back home west to east and do it and have a do or guy single a do or die single elimination game against a nine or a ten seed, which again, with a crowd previous- that is also like that that crowd for the second game that that team has to play, yeah, always tense, never think, confident. And so and so, I don't think it's <laughs> that doesn't seem super fair to me that like. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to lose. Technically, you're supposed to lose the road game if you're the eight seed. You're supposed to lose to the seven seed at home, and so they say you have it's a double elimination for you. It doesn't feel like it. You play a game where you're the underdog, and then your entire season is on the line in a single elimination game. Especially with the way the league is now with three point shooting and the game to game variance. Variance. Like, man, the Pelicans can make twenty one threes in a game, or they can make three threes in yeah. a game. That's why series are good. And so I don't think it's particularly fair. And I do worry it, it further devalues the regular season. I mean, I'm a, like, I am a regular season fan. I love the regular season. I like watching basketball every night of the week. I like watching the mm-hmm. individual performances. Um, the playoffs are great. And everyone like rings culture is like so huge in the media where I'm like, yeah, the playoffs are awesome. But like, I think mm-hmm. the regular season is awesome too. And so I, I don't want like to further devalue like, teams trying and maybe the 65 games barrier or a requirement for winning an individual award will make the regular season mean a little bit more where we won't have this. Like we start off the show talking about post all-star break. How do you analyze anything that happened? Yeah. Like 14 teams tried, but only six of them were desperate and actually had to win, you know? And so it's like, how do I, you know, with the Grizzlies resting players, every other game and like, you have, I don't know. It, it, it's all it, the regular season has gotten weird enough. So yeah, I, I I do have I guess mixed feelings about um the play in and everything that's going on with that. That's part of what I'm taking into account here. Essentially, yeah. is that like the regular season has become so worthless to a lot of these, and, and like people always kind of look at the players as the problem here, and like they carry their burden of 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 this too. But it is an organizational thing. The load management stuff is like it, you know, um, it, that's that you do have teams holding out guys and saying, hey, like your hamstring. All right. Uh, it, it looks like you're limping. We're going to go ahead and sit you down for a little bit like that does happen. And uh, like, I just want I want like the eight seed and the seven seed to have as much an advantage as they can possibly have here. Enforcing the the nine and 10 seed to play two extra potential, you know, games before they see uh, one of the seven or eight seed. And then the next time they see that seven and eight seed, it is going to be all on the road. Like I want the, I want teams to look at the nine and 10 spot and say, no, no, I'm good. I, I, you know, (laughs) uh, or, or like, desperately try to stay out of the nine and 10 seeds. If you're a well, good that's team. A we, well, right? I mean, I believe, I believe the Dallas Mavericks looked at the nine and 10 seed and said, nah, we're good. Yeah. I, they probably, well, it's tough there with the Mavericks. though, right. It would have been, been hard for them. Obviously. Well, they, but they, like they, they needed some help. Well, they, they needed help, but they also had a pick to keep, you know, and I, I'm yeah. like, organizationally, I, I, that's been a part of this that I don't think people have quite like <laughs> taken into account as much as they should have is it, you can go through a lost season like this and then you also lose your pick because you yep. decided to win an extra game there like it, it, that, that didn't matter um, because OKC won. Like I, I didn't, I didn't, I really didn't understand the Well, I mean, I, I have lots, as you know, I have lots of opinions on the um, reforming the lottery standings. Yeah. I think you could, you could change the entire end of the regular season. I, my briefest elevator pitch is the lottery order should not be ordered by losses 
it should be ordered by the most wins you have over teams that have a better record than you at the time of the matchup. Mm. So anytime, anytime, anytime you win, it's good. You're either keeping a worse team from you from improving their lottery standings, or if you beat a team better than you, you're improving your own lottery standings. You can keep the flat nods. We still might have the situation where a team at the end of the year is like, would we rather be the 10 seed in the play in, or would we rather uh, enter the lottery? And so like, again, there should be enough incentive of like that winning is the most important thing that uh, I, I would wish teams would choose to make the playoffs no matter what. I mean, honestly, it should be owners should financially benefit. This is, yeah. again, if we want to borrow a model from other professional sports like the Premier League, it should matter to an owner whether they finished 22nd or 27th. Yeah. You know, like those yeah. five positions should be worth a lot of money for the owner's bottom line. I mean, maybe the player should have a financial stake too, where you get more, but like, I wish it was more like, you know, we wouldn't make fun of Ted uh, Leonosis, like about the wizards always striving for 35 wins. It should be, <laughs> it's way more valuable financially yeah. to win 35 games over 25 games. Cause this is a sport. Yeah. Sports I think are they supposed should... to win. I no, think that's how you actually fix this, right? Yeah. You actually fix the tanking thing is a team that, you know, is in the bottom three, uh, especially for a lengthened period of time. Yeah. You get none of the revenue sharing money. You get, less you get none of it. You get revenue sharing. Punish you, them. You don't, you don't get any of the, the luxury tax league. stuff. If you yeah. want to win, sign better players. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I think I, I think we just fixed the league, Keith. So there yeah, yeah. you go. I'm, I'm used to that. All right, uh, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lounge. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Again, check out all of Keith's stuff on Fast Break Breakfast. It's a really fun, delightful conversation. I had a blast with you and John the other night, yeah. um, and 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 it is always fun to tune into that show. Also, if you want more in-depth analysis as we get ready for, look, there is still like two days before, oh, two and a half days before, the, the, the Lakers and Grizzlies finally play. That's plenty of time to inform yourself on a team. And the best way to do it with this specific Memphis team is to check out Grits and Grinds. Uh, thank you very much, Keith, for, for hopping on with me. And, and uh, you know, I'd say good luck, but I don't want to lie. That's right. Thanks, Anthony. A lot of fun. Uh, I look forward to a very fun, exciting, competitive five-game series. Let's do, uh, let's do uh, you know, winner, winner gets drinks at, at, in oh, Vegas yeah, when we see sure. each other. Yeah. Done. No. All right. Done.